Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Talk to nicely. Why didn't you answer the phone, Jake? I thought the night was over. I thought that tomorrow would be another dull day, but nothing could have foretold the devastation that stood before my eyes. The complete carnage, the utter chaos unfolding in front of me. I screamed at the Uber driver to pull over. I recognized that car. He hit the brakes and almost lost control. My heart sank as I jumped out into the pouring rain. Drops hit my face and stung my skin like tiny arrows. I drank in the morbid scene in front of me. Shattered glass crunched beneath my feet, and the police lights flashed blue and red in the darkness. Tire marks adorned the surface of the wet asphalt. I didn't want this to be true. I wanted it to be a nightmare. I wanted to wake up and find that everything was okay again. Smoke came out from under the hood of the car. Hazard lights flicked on and off. The police set the perimeter, and a paramedic had almost completely closed the body bag. The zipper sounded like a chainsaw revving in pain and anguish. Its sound blended so well with the rain. A symphony of death played in that place. In the split second before my friend's body was confined to that dark, claustrophobic bag, I saw his face. That image would be forever etched in my mind. His mouth was wide open, and a macabre gasp was frozen on his pale face. His empty eyes fixated on me. He had chapped and bloodied lips. Death painted the perfect picture on his face, and all I could do was stand there trying to take it all in. Luke, my best friend in the whole world, was dead. His car was a mess, and parts of it had been scattered across the road. He'd crashed into a big tree on the side of the road. I screamed. I begged the police to let me through. The whole world felt like it was crashing down on me, and the inescapable agony that came with it was swallowing me whole, drowning me in the darkness of my own guilt. Guilt took hold of everything I had inside. That was for two reasons. First, I didn't try harder to stop him from leaving. The second was that I missed his call, or to be frank, I ignored it. It was supposed to be a fun night out, just a bunch of friends having drinks and laughing at each other's stupid jokes. Something about Lucas was off though. He hadn't seemed himself that night, and had downed glass after glass, shot after shot. I'd tried to stop him. I'd tried to reason with him. I'd even told him that whatever was on his mind, he could tell me, and we could talk about it. His only reaction had been to brush me off. He kept lying and told me he was okay, that it would pass, that he was just in a rough patch. But, of course, I knew he was lying. He was my best friend, and it was easy to tell if he was telling the truth or not. 
I had asked him one more time if there was anything I could do to help him. He'd turned around, his bloodshot eyes fixating me. It was like he had succumbed to the demons at the bottom of the glass. He'd yelled at me to leave him the fuck alone, and he'd pushed me. I'd hit the ground, and I remember my heart was up in my throat. I wasn't scared then, but a feeling of helplessness surged through me. I didn't fight back, of course. He stormed by me and went to the bathroom to freshen up. When he came out, he told me to piss off and said he was going home, slamming through the dive bar's front door. And that was the last time I had seen him alive. Millions of scenarios about how I could have better handled the situation raced through my mind. That suffocating sense of guilt coursed through my entire body. A few minutes after leaving, he'd called me. I hadn't answered. I was too upset with his actions. He would call me tomorrow to say he was sorry. I was sure of that, but that would never happen. The voice in my mind started eating at me immediately, bombarding me with impossible questions. You could have stopped this. You didn't do enough. You're the one to blame. Your best friend's dead because of you. You could have gone after him. Why didn't you take his car keys? Why didn't you let him leave? Why didn't you answer the phone, Jake? The rain washed Luke's blood away. It was mixed with motor oil and created a sort of deadly concoction that emitted a nauseating smell. I screamed at the police officer again. He asked me if I knew him. What kind of a question was that? Of course I did. He was my best friend. I had been with him no more than a half an hour ago. I said that I shouldn't have let him leave. I explained that he had been drinking as I'd never seen him drink before. He sighed and said he was sorry. I couldn't go after the ambulance. It was too much for me to bear in such a short time. So I got back into the Uber and sat in the back seat in silence. I think the driver knew what had happened, but didn't say a word. I didn't even realize it when we pulled up in front of my house. The driver broke the silence and told me we had arrived at the destination five minutes ago. I apologized and paid my fare. When I got inside, I went straight to the kitchen. I couldn't hold back my tears any longer. My best friend was dead. This event changed me forever. Seeing Luke's mangled, lifeless face gave me nightmares for years to come. After his death that night, nothing was ever the same. I headed home and my mind lost with the passing of time. The relentless rain hit the roof and windows of the house rhythmically. It felt like God played the soundtrack for the end of the world on his speakers in heaven. My entire being was shattered into millions of shards. My parents heard me from the living room and rushed into the kitchen. They were both scared as they had never seen me this way before. Mom tried to comfort me. I wanted to pull myself together, even for just a few seconds. Luke's dead, I said, just like that. He died in a car crash. We met at the bar with some friends. Luke came in very agitated and angry. He got hammered out of his mind, leaving in a hurry. I couldn't, I couldn't stop him. The car hit a tree head on. I, I, I trembled at the thought. Every time I blinked, I saw his face in that body bag, pale, lifeless, and gasping. I'm so sorry, honey, mom said. She sighed, and both her sorrow and relief washed over me. I think she'd thought for a second about losing me in such a violent way. I felt tension releasing from her body as she hugged me. Dad couldn't say a single word. He just hugged us both. Mom made me tea 
and told me she'd take work off. I said that it was okay. She didn't have to do that. I went on a long walk the next day, trying to clear my head. I knew it wouldn't be possible to forget, even briefly, but I had to try. The funeral was a few days later. They said the impact had been so violent that the casket had to stay closed. That was the first time I saw Luke's parents since the accident. They looked dejected, their minds lost in vacant hotel rooms on distant planets. Ever since the accident, I feared they would blame me for Luke's death. They stared at me when I arrived, and I received confirmation of that fear. It hadn't been that obvious, to be fair, but through the grief and pain, I sensed that in some part, at least, they thought I could have done more. My inner voice agreed with them. The ugly questions from that fateful night spun around in my mind again. They ate at me, feasting on portions of my life. Blame is such a heavy burden to bear on such young shoulders. I sat on a chair in the corner, my head hung low. The silence in my mind was too loud for me to bear. When they put him in the ground, his mother's shrieks cut through the gloomy day like sharp razors of devastating pain. The pain of a mother losing her child is impossible to describe in words. Luke had been put to rest. A young life was cut short. Tragedy struck on a cold, rainy night. The speedometer's needle was stuck at 120 miles per hour. After the wake, I went home with my parents. We sat in silence at the dinner table. No one had the energy to say anything. We ate and went to bed. I lay staring at the ceiling. I couldn't fall asleep. As hours passed, the chain of events from that night didn't let me have peace. They unfolded again in my mind from the bar to me seeing Luke's mangled face over and over and over again. Then the air suddenly smelled earthy, the way it smells in the forest after the rain stops. Then I felt the temperature drop and a cold gust of wind caressed my feet. I heard a door creaking. My dad had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night. He liked to get water from the fridge. That had to be the source of the sound. I closed my eyes and tried to go to sleep. Instead, the door handle of my room began rattling. I sat straight up in my bed, watching it until it stopped. Someone knocked on the door, and again, and again, I jumped out of bed and opened the door. It was hard to see in the dark, but I thought I saw a shadow move at the end of the hallway. Dad, is that you? I asked, rubbing my eyes. No answer. Footsteps thumped down the stairs. Someone had to have broken in. Another door opened and creaked shut. I should have woken my dad up, but I decided to handle the situation alone. I tiptoed downstairs but it didn't feel like anyone had been there. Maybe the house had just been getting old and its age was showing. Do you know how our joints creak when we get older? Perhaps the place was showing signs of that too. I hoped that's what it was. I turned on the lights and everything seemed fine. I checked the doors and windows and there had been no sign of forced entry anywhere. Then the phone rang. If this was a person trying to pull a prank on me, it was done in awful taste. This was not the time or the place for such things. I sat down near the phone, 
Whoever was doing this didn't seem like they would stop until I answered. The ringing was not loud, but something else. It was more painful than anything. It pierced every cell of my being, reminding me of the last call I'd missed. I picked up the green receiver. Hello? I asked. Nothing. Hello? Who is this? I asked again. Static buzzed through the receiver. I hung up. It rang again. I snatched the receiver. Listen, if this is some kind of joke, now's not the time. I snapped. Static again. Then something like nails screeching on glass. Stop calling, you asshole! I said. I knew a person stood on the other end of the line. I heard them whispering something. I couldn't understand what they were saying, and it felt infuriating. I checked the house one more time before going to sleep. That night was weird, and I only got maybe two or three hours of sleep. I was supposed to return to university the next day, but given the circumstances, I decided to stay a bit longer. After seeing the car crash scene that night, I needed more time to process everything after all I'd been through. My head reeled from the events of the previous night. A lot of pressure had built up within me, and I just wanted to be alone on a boat in the middle of a large lake. I wanted to stay there, laying on my back in the boat and watching and listening to nature. It felt somewhat claustrophobic being here in this town. I sort of felt trapped, like a prisoner. I kept reliving my best friend's death in my head, thinking about it all the time. I went downstairs for breakfast, and Dad was about to leave for work. Morning, Dad. Did you sleep all right? I asked him. Yeah, as much as I could. He paused. Listen, I'm here for you if you ever need anything. You know that, right? Yeah, Dad. Thanks. Oh, a friend of yours called, by the way. He didn't say who he was, and the connection was pretty lousy. He said you missed his call the other day, but that he'll call you again, Dad said before leaving. Take care, son. My heart sank to the bottom of that lake I wanted to be on. Now I drifted across a vast ocean of despair. The hot sun burned my mind and sanity, scorching them until they crumbled away into oblivion. My stomach growled as if I had a demon trapped inside it. Then it struck me that I hadn't eaten that much in the past few days. I knew a place downtown with the most amazing scrambled eggs with bacon and cheese and the darkest coffee in the universe. I relied on these things to sharpen my senses and bring me back to reality. The night before had been rough. From the silhouette I had seen, or thought I'd seen, to the noises downstairs and those damn phone calls that messed with my mind in the middle of the night, I knew I had to snap out of it. John, the owner of the place, was waiting the tables when I got in. I muttered a, hey, and nodded. He'd known me for a long time because this had been my favorite place in town. Its silence comforted me and I could work on my novel there, even though my thoughts flicked through my mind like restless fireflies in the dead of night. I wanted to try to write. Even though my world was in shambles, I needed to put words on the page, even though Luke's lifeless face flashed before my eyes like old cinema stills. Hey, Jake. I'm sorry for Luke, man, John said. I can't imagine how you must be feeling, and I know whatever I say won't mean much, but I want your stay here today to be at least enjoyable. So your breakfast and coffee are on the house. 
Thanks, John. I really appreciate the words and kindness, buddy. Can I have bacon and eggs with a cup of coffee, please? I'll be here for a while. I just want to write, I said. I shrugged my shoulders and felt weak. I had to eat and get my energy levels up before writing. The smell of crispy maple bacon filled the restaurant when the plate came to me. This had to be culinary medicine. It had to alleviate my pain for a moment and make me forget about everything. I ate like a maniac, not even knowing when I finished. Then, when it felt right to start working on the novel, I fired up my laptop and typed out my words. And those words cascaded like an avalanche of broken dreams and shattered childhood memories. The words flooded everything around me. I sank deeper into my inner ocean of despair, never reaching its bottom. I floated in the dark, starless water, its silence ever so loud, like nails on a blackboard. A whirlwind of emotions raced through me, and I found it too much to bear at one point. I needed to rest my eyes for a bit. I had to take a short break. So I went to the bathroom. I turned on the faucet, cupping my hands to hold the cold water. I splashed it on my face, feeling refreshed every time I did so. Hey, Jake. I jumped and turned around. There was no one else in the bathroom. Who's there? I called out. I thought I must be losing my mind. Jake, in the mirror. I looked in the mirror, and right behind my reflection stood Luke. His head was cocked to the right, his neck torn open, sinew and dried, blackened blood showing. His eyes had gone gray, and his wide open mouth showed the same terrified gasp as the night he died. I couldn't even scream. You're not here. You're not real. You're not here. You're not real. I repeated over and over and over again. I closed my eyes, and he was gone when I opened them again. It was clear to me that something terrible was going on. I stormed out of the bathroom and asked for a glass of cold water. Blood boiled inside my veins as if hot lava flowed through me. Are you all right, man? You're all pale. Something wrong with the food? John asked me. My hand shook as I drank the water. I nodded and told him everything was perfect. It had been evident that I was drifting further away from sanity and slipping into the dark void of a broken mind. I felt as if the flat surface of my mind had started to crack and tiny shards would send me these visions of my dead friend. Don't know, John. Got dizzy all of a sudden. Thanks for everything, but I gotta head back home and lay down for a bit, I said, packing up my laptop and hurrying out the front entrance. The whole city spun, and the streets felt like spirals that wanted to strangle me. Beads of sweat slid down my temples, and a sharp metallic ringing filled my ears. It was as if something from beyond the void was sending me a radio message. My left eye twitched severely. That usually happened when I was under a tremendous amount of stress. The whole situation fogged my mind so badly that I couldn't even remember what my novel was about. I thought about going back to university. Then, I felt like I needed to get away from here. I just wanted to ensure I had the mental and physical strength to drive. I could have asked a friend to take me back, but my friends kept dying in car crashes, so that wasn't an option. But with what happened in that bathroom, I knew I had to get out of this town, buy a plane ticket and just leave. Better to fly than to drive and possibly crash the car. My heart drummed inside my chest as inky black clouds rolled in overhead. Thunder roared inside them, 
It felt like the end of days was upon us. I shut the door behind me, the house spinning around me. I sat on the couch, closed my eyes, and saw Luke again. I opened my eyes. Everything was spinning. I closed them. There was Luke's mangled face. I opened them. The house was spinning. I closed them. Luke's blood was on the street, carried into mud and motor oil by the heavy rain. I opened them. Luke sat in front of me. He grinned. I blinked. He disappeared. I screamed. The phone rang. I jumped off the couch. Everything was back to normal. The phone kept ringing, getting louder and louder and louder. It didn't seem like it would end until I either answered it or the noise pierced my ears. I got up and picked it up. Hello? I said. Please, stop. I called you, Jake. I called you three times that night, and you didn't answer. Luke's wheezing voice whispered from the other end of the line. I was in a dark place, and I wanted to say sorry for pushing you at the bar. You were my best friend, Jake. Why didn't you stop me from leaving, Jake? You tried, but you didn't try hard enough. I thought you were my best friend, but you left me to die. Why didn't you answer the phone, Jake? Maybe I would have been alive and not trapped here in this dark, cold, and lonely place if you had. The receiver shook in my hand. It was something that I couldn't control as I realized that this was real. This conversation that I was having with my dead best friend was not a hallucination. Screeching noises came from the kitchen, as if the chairs were moving around on their own. When I checked, I noticed the cabinet doors and drawers opening and closing. Then, for a brief moment, they stopped. Then, when I thought everything was over, glasses and plates launched like projectiles at me. Many missed, but a glass hit me in the temple. I felt the skin split open, and suddenly hot blood poured down my temple. Then a colossal force threw me against the wall, and air left my lungs, just as it does when a balloon is let loose. The phone rang again, and again, and on and on. And then it stopped. The door opened and closed. The phone rang again. Someone rang the doorbell. The TV turned on by itself, and static filled the house. It's buzzing, definitely. Then it all stopped. Dad found me unconscious on the floor and rushed me to the hospital. After being released, I decided to leave town immediately. During the drive, I thought I saw Luke standing in a cornfield waving at me, his head cocked to the side and the same mangled face grinning at me. I don't have any explanation for what happened. I don't know why he had a grudge against me. I don't know why he stopped haunting me after I left town. All I know is that I should have answered his phone call.